Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with us to the book of James, the book of James chapter number 5. We want to um, continue on where we started last uh, week on the power of prayer and looking at some uh, tools that we can utilize uh, in our prayer lives to gain power through our prayers. And I don't know about you, but I need more, prayer, uh, more power in my prayers and uh, more prayers in my life altogether. We need to learn how to pray. And I feel like the, uh, you know, the disciples who said, Lord, teach us to pray. How should we pray? And that's the way I feel many times. And so I always love to learn more about prayer. I have been reading and studying um, on prayer for these Wednesday nights. And uh, I'm telling you, the Lord is speaking to my heart as I'm sharing with you. Really, what I'm just sharing to you what God's already spoke to me about. And so I hope that you're getting a blessing out of this. James chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 14, same scripture we re uh, read last week. The Bible says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which uh, converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and then it shares the testimony, the example of Isaiah, or Elias, Elijah praying, and um, the Bible says for three and a half years it didn't rain. Then he prayed again, and the heavens opened up. Now that's some pretty powerful prayers, isn't it? You know, pray at one time, and, and the heavens just dry up, and uh, pray again, and the heavens open up. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's power in prayer. That's pretty powerful. Well, we want to look at some scriptures, some things that we can do that can help us grow in our power in prayer. We read, looked last week at this passage of scripture, and we really looked at two different things, two tools that we can use in our prayer life to make us more effective and, um, in our prayer life. The first was a time for prayer, that we would have a time to pray. Uh, where we have actually have time in our day, our life set apart, where we say, listen, I'm going to give a specific time for prayer, and I'm going to be faithful to it. If you're like me, you have to have a schedule. And if you don't have things scheduled, if you don't have a routine, stuff just seems to not happen. And so it's important that we get in the routine of prayer, that we have a time set apart for it. No, it is... Uh, is important that we have a time for prayer, but it's important that we have a place for prayer, a place that we can get to and we can isolate ourselves from the cares of this world. And uh, you'll be surprised you can shut yourself up in a pitch black closet uh, 
And it'll be amazing to me how in the darkest, quietest place I can find, my mind still wants to get distracted. And so, but if you don't try to find a place where you can concentrate on the Lord, I promise you, there will always be excuses you can come up with or things that will get your attention that will pull you away from prayer. And although you might have good intentions, you find that you just get sidetracked. And prayer needs a time, but it also needs a place. Tonight, I want to shift gears dealing with this and look at a different aspect that is important. And that is that we need to let the Bible have its place in prayer. The Bible needs to have its place in prayer. Say, preacher, how does that work? It's important that the Word of God um, is involved in our prayer life. And this might be something maybe you're familiar with, maybe you practice, and maybe you don't. But I believe that it is critical for us Christians that we have the Bible as part of our prayer. S.D. Gordon said they used to burn the Bible, and we are more refined now. We would not burn it. No, now we cut it up with rarely skilled fingers and freshly razored knife edges. But whether burned or cut, the book itself remains without the smell of smoke on its pages or the marks of knife on its leaves. And so... The Bible stays true, although man will try to manipulate it and make it, um, uh, we try to tailor fit the Bible to ourselves instead of doing what we need to do, which is tailor fit ourselves to fit the Bible. We've got it all backwards. But the Bible is what transforms our life, and the Bible is the power of God. It's the words of God, and so it is important that if we're going to communicate with God, we allow the Word of God to interact with us. And so um, prayer is more than just talking to God. Prayer is communication with God. But if you've ever tried to communicate with someone and truly tried to communicate, then you know, I don't have to tell you, communication is a two-way street. It involves us speaking, but also us listening. And so prayer is more than just talking to God. It also involves God speaking to us. The Bible is God's primary method of speaking. Although God can speak through his spirit, he can speak, uh, speak uh, through the preached word, through testimonies. However, the word of God, the, the, the written word of God, is God's primary method of speaking to us. Therefore, it is important that we not only speak to God, but we allow time for God to speak to us. I wonder if I'm not the only one who's guilty of this. We pray and ask God for wisdom. Lord, I need you to direct my past. God, I need you to give me wisdom. Lord, I, I just don't know what to do. God, I, I'm lost. I need your wisdom and your help. And then we don't listen. We pray. We tell God what we want. We get up. We say amen. And we go right back to doing what we were doing before. And we, we ask God to speak to us. And we never let him speak. That's pretty foolish, isn't it? And yet I'm guilty of doing it. God, speak to me, but speak to me uh, some other way. We want some hocus-pocus type religion. And God's saying, listen, I want to speak to you, but guess how he speaks to us? Through his word. And so our prayer life um, should... Uh, 
involve us reading our Bible. Um, read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray, talk to God, stop and listen, talk to God, read his word, listen, and communicate with the Lord. And so an effective prayer life is one that involves the Bible in our prayer. Now, maybe you're not familiar with that, and maybe you think, preacher, that's kind of weird. What are you talking about? I promise you, when we start communicating with God, we speak and let him speak to us, we'll find that a lot of times he's trying to speak to us if we'll just stop and listen. And so listen to God. Um, Learn to be still in our heart and soul. Uh, Still our heart and soul. Come to a place of... um, where we slow down in our prayer life and say, God, I'm going to talk to you, but God, I want to allow you to talk to me. With that, we should be, uh, have some patience in our prayer. Often we arrive at prayer with preconceived ideas of what we must say. You ever done that? You ever come into prayer and you just, you already, what you say has already been predetermined? Um, We are working with our daughters, and we're trying to teach them how to pray. And uh, Maggie and Molly, as a matter of fact, this morning at breakfast, I shared it with uh, James and Jonathan this afternoon at lunch. We went to lunch, but uh, this morning I listened to the girls. We've got an audio recording of our girls praying. Uh, About three or four years ago, they were just, I mean, Molly was uh, maybe one years old, and Maggie was just a couple years old, and they were praying. And in that prayer, they both prayed that Jesus would come into their hearts one day. Well, Maggie's saved now, and Molly we're still praying for, and God's answer. But it was exciting to hear our girls pray. But if you watch our children, what we find is, and I don't say this to knock our children, I'm just sharing what it is, is that they pray, and then the next time they pray, guess what they pray? The exact same thing word for word, and that's okay. They're little. They have to learn how to pray, and we're praying that God will continue to work in their life, but, and I'm glad they pray. They love to pray. Matter of fact, sometimes they get in arguments over whose turn it is to pray. They love to pray, and I thank the Lord for that, um, but they kind of have these preconceived prayers. It's almost like, now I'll lay me down to sleep. That's not their prayer, but it's, it's repetitious, and so sometimes we come to prayer with preconceived words, ideas, and a preconceived time limit. I've got a few seconds here to pray. I'm going to pray. Um, and we, we rush prayer. You ever felt yourself rushing through prayer? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm guilty of that. There is times where I've prayed, Brother Dennis, just out of duty. I have prayed going down the road, eating a piece of chicken from Bojangles or something, and... and um, there might have been a conversation I was involved with, a radio song I wanted to get back to. I'm busy. I've got phone calls to make. And I go, Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. And I'll take a bite. About the time I do, the Holy Spirit hits me upside the heart and says, now, you didn't mean that. I deserve more reverence than that. It's bothered my soul before. Why? Because we rush prayer. Now, a righteous, holy God, he deserves more honor than that, doesn't he? And yet we're guilty of that. So we need to learn to be patient in our prayers. We approach prayer much like other aspects of our lives. However, God will not be forced to adapt to the will of me or you. Instead, we must bend our will to his. Prayer takes time. 
time to pray, time to listen, and time to allow our hearts to attune to the channel of God's heart. I'll be honest with you, to get in really good prayer, you don't jump right into it. You pray, but to really get good fellowship with the Lord, it takes time. And so we need to learn to be patient in our prayers and say, Lord, I'm going to come to you, and if it takes five minutes, if it takes an hour, Lord, I just want to fellowship with you for a while. Lord, I want to pray. I want to talk to you. I want to pour my heart out to you. But I want to listen. God, I want you to pour out your heart to me. And I want our hearts to become one together so that my will becomes what your will is. And that takes time. So we need to learn to be patient in prayer. And part of that, again, involves the Bible where we learn to slow down and say, God, I want to give you a chance through your word to speak to me. And then I want to say this. Don't be afraid to interact with God. It may feel uncomfortable, unnatural. You may even feel like it's somewhat disrespectful to pray and stop and then go back to prayer. But I promise you, um, it's okay to communicate with God and to commune with him in prayer. That's what he desires. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8, the Bible says that God walked with Adam in the cool part of the or the breezy part of the day. That word is ruah, meaning breezy, the windy part of the day. And we see elsewhere in Scripture that Abraham, Enoch, Noah, they were all, the Bible says, men that walked with God, men that fellowshiped with God, that had a communication with God, they had a personal relationship with Him. And so it's okay for us to approach God as holy, but as a friend that we're willing to communicate with. And so, matter of fact, what is the, the first sign we see that Adam and Eve sinned? God came, walked in the garden, and they hid. That's right. The first sign that there was something wrong was they did not want to communicate with God anymore. He was still there. He was still walking in the garden in that evening time, that breezy part of the day. But... They weren't there. I wonder, do we really take that time to walk with God and fellowship with Him? And so, um, we should never be ashamed to communicate with God. It doesn't matter how awkward we might feel. Um, it doesn't matter how out of place it might seem at times. It's okay to communicate with God. Matter of fact, it's more than okay. It's the duty of man. God has made us to pray. Not only has God made us to, I dare say this. The greatest honor that you or I can ever have in our lives is the honor of communicating with God. I've got two girls, they are, I love them more than I can sh explain. My wife tell you the same thing. She feels the same way about them. It's an honor to be their dad. But greater than that, is that a God who created life, 
who gave me the very breath, who gave me my daughters, who holds the world in the palm of his hand, the universe and everything in it, says, I want to talk with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want you to talk to me. I want you to tell me how your day's going. I want you to tell me what's going on in your heart. I want to know what you're struggling with. I want you to open yourself up to me, and I want to reveal myself to you. That is the greatest honor we could ever have. Could you imagine if we really stop and think of how wonderful it is that God wants to do that with us? And yet, what do we do? Thank you all for the food. Amen. And we've, ate, we've, we've scarfed it down before we even take time to acknowledge who he really is. And so it's okay, but it's more than okay. It's our greatest honor and our greatest duty is to pray and talk with God. And the Bible needs to be involved with that. I shared this the other week, and I'm going to share it again. And I, I'm going to keep sharing this until I hope you get a hold of it. Or maybe you already do and you tell me, and that's okay if, you, if you've got a hold of it. Let me know. I'd love to hear. The greatest thing that has ever happened to my prayer life is praying the Word of God. You remember I shared that, I guess, been a, about a month ago now. Praying the Word of God. Opening up the Psalms and praying. What does the Bible say? What did the psalmist say? Pray that. Pray that to God. Read the next verse, next portion, turn around and pray. Pray that scripture to God. Thank God for his goodness, his kingship. Thank him for delivering us from the hands of the enemy. Thank him for his protection over our life. Thank him for his power and majesty. Thank him. Pray the psalm. And that, that has trans... You're praying, you're reading God's word, you're allowing God to speak to you, then you're speaking back to him, and praying the word of God, begins, it, it opens up this two-way flow of communication between you and God. Now, I'm telling you, it is fantastic. If you haven't tried it, and maybe you haven't, would you humor me and go home and try it? Just do it. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Amen. It is. Yes, sir. And it's when you do that, Brother Rick, when you pray those psalms, man, isn't it fantastic how you see how God speaks to you through his word as you pray? Yes, sir. You can. It, now, I'll be honest with you. The first time I tried it, it felt weird. It's not natural. I hadn't done it. But the more you did it, I thought, you know, that's, when I got done, I thought, that's pretty good. Then I tried it again. And I'm telling you, it, it's addicting. <laughs> You're like, man, you, you want to pray more and talk more to God. It, it really opens up. So I, I encourage you, involve the Word of God in your prayer life. And involve God's Word. There's an app I use. It's called Five Psalms. It just, all it is, is it shows you, gives you five different psalms each day that you can pray. You can choose one or pray all of them, but it's called Five Psalms. I encourage you to get that, download it, and uh, learn to pray. You don't have to pray just the psalms. You can pray other scriptures, but the psalms are fantastic for that. But involve the Word of God in your prayer life. The, the last thing I'm going to look at to have power in our prayer 
is have a time for prayer, have a place for prayer, involve the Word of God in our prayer, but then this is ultimately what we must do, and that is we must allow the teacher to teach us. Allow the teacher to teach us how to pray. Um, who is the teacher? It's that Holy Spirit. He's the one that lives within our heart, and he is our teacher that teaches us how to pray. Um, according to the Bible, we can see that the success of prayer is measured by its kingdom impact. The success of prayer <laughs> is measured by its uh, kingdom impact and what the difference it makes, the eternal difference that it makes. And so the truth of the matter is, you say, preacher, I don't know if my prayers are doing any good. The reality of it is we will never know how successful our prayers are really were until we get to heaven. And God opens up and says, listen, you thought I wasn't working, but look what I was doing because of your prayers. It's the kingdom impact. And so um, we should allow the, um, the Holy Spirit to work in our life and teach us how to pray. But I'm also glad for this. The Bible says that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, goes with groanings that cannot be uttered. He goes on our half. There's some times where we just really don't know how to pray anyways, but we pour our heart out to God. And what the Holy Spirit does is he says, listen, uh, you don't know, but that's okay. I'm going to go and cry. So he goes, he's our mediator. He goes on our behalf. And so we thank the Lord for that. Three lessons that we should um, allow the Holy Spirit to teach us is that we should uh, uh, teach us to pray to please Jesus. And we've talked about this off and on for the whole month. The goal of our prayers are not to please ourselves, And this is where most people get in trouble in prayer. They think prayer is uh, their wish list for Santa Claus. And if we pray just right, ask just right, we're going to get our wish list. That is not what prayer is. Prayer is saying, Lord, not my will, your will be done. Lord, allow me to be in your will in my life. God, we've got some things we want to happen. Lord, I'm going to share with you what my heart's desire is. Lord, I want to share with you what I would like to see. But ultimately, God, it's not my will that I want. Lord, I want you to be pleased through my life, through this situation, through this circumstance. And so we should learn, allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to pray to please Jesus Christ. Second of all, we should learn to pray in Jesus' name. It's in the name of Jesus. Um, when I pray, I, you know, it, it's important that I strive to always close my prayer that we ask these things in Jesus' name. It, he is our advocate to the Father. Um, we're dependent upon him. Um, the only reason we're not in the Old Testament go having to go in through a priest is because Jesus Christ is our high priest. He's the one we pray in Jesus' name. And there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus Christ is our hope. So it is important when we pray that we pray in Jesus' name. 
And so I, I believe that with all my heart, and I believe that the Holy Spirit should teach us that, that when we pray, um, we pray in Jesus' name. You say, preacher, why, why is that important? You know that Christians are not the only group that pray? We are not the only people that pray. Every cult out there has some form of prayer. Every um, uh, group of religion has some form of prayer. Um, even uh, Satanism, they pray to Satan. So when we pray, it's important that we differentiate. We're not praying in just any old name. We're praying our power comes through Jesus Christ. We're to pray in his name. He's the one we're praying uh, through, and he's our hope. So we need to learn that. Say, listen, we pray. Uh, I, I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Our government, there's been many incidences over the years where um, chaplains in the military that were allowed to pray, they had no problem with them praying, but I know this is probably 10 years or so ago, they told many of the military chaplains, you can pray, but you're not allowed to pray anymore in Jesus' name. They have a problem with praying in Jesus' name. I wonder why that is. Because he's our power. And so it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to let us realize that we are praying in Jesus' name. Thirdly, and we'll be done, we'll go to prayer here in just a little bit, but the last lesson, I think I've alluded to this several times, but the Holy Spirit should teach us that we must pray believing. But not just believing that God can. Not believing God can. Believing He will. See, the truth is, as a young man, I was my dad, uh, mom and dad are missionaries. Y'all met them here um, uh, a week or so ago. They uh, were independent missionaries. They didn't go through the IMB. And so um, they had to go to churches. And, and still to this day, their support, their, their livelihood, um, their ministry, they're sponsored by churches all over the U.S. that sponsor them $25, $50, a month. And that's how they get their support. And so as a kid, we had, that's the way we grew up living. That's all I knew. And, um, you know, we, I, I saw many a times that we would be broke, no money, no income. And I saw God move time and time again. God provide their needs over and over again. Um, remember one time dad shared the story. Um, he had bought, had a Stetson cowboy hat in our, in our Winnebago uh, that we traveled in. And he had a, one of the little metal clips and he'd, he'd put his hat in and he'd hold it to the roof of the Winnebago there by, by a seat and uh, going down the road we were broke had no money and um, dad was just having a, he, according to his own testimony he was having a pity party for himself and according to his the way he tells the story he reached up pulled that cowboy hat down gonna put his hat on and when he did uh, one of those God's simple plan of salvation gospel tracks. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it fell out, hit him in his lap, and uh, he saw scribbling on it, and he thought, kid's been drawing that, wrinkled it up, and went to throw it away. When he did, it pricked him in the finger. He thought, well, that's weird. Looked at it, and it was stapled shut. 
he thought, that's really odd that a, a track is in my cowboy hat, stapled shut. And got to look and he said it wasn't scribbling. Somebody had wrote with a crown on the track, Brother Ellis, we just wanted to be a blessing to you. He opened it up and there were several hundred dollars. That was back in the early 80s and that went a lot further even than it does nowadays. And so God, he shouted over the blessings of God. I witnessed this my entire youth. I understood that completely that God was capable of supplying our needs. But 16, 15, 16 years ago, my wife and I went to the Philippines as missionaries. And all of a sudden, now it wasn't daddy stepping out, it was my turn. <laughs> and I thought all those years I had great faith because I knew what God could do. The truth is, I didn't hardly have any faith. I knew God could. I just didn't think he'd do it for me. When we got broke down, when we were on our last dime, when we were pulling up to a church in Charles, near Charleston, South Carolina, we had stepped out by faith and we had nothing. We had nothing. And uh, we were going to Charleston. My, my wife was much younger than I. Uh, she, um, never been away from home hardly. We stepped out on the road. We're going to Charleston, South Carolina to preach, share what God's called us to do in the Philippines. And I remember we're about 15, 20 minutes from Charleston. And she's saying, we haven't ate all day and we just don't have the money. Her blood sugar's getting low and she starts weeping. She's like, I've got to get something to eat. And I'll be honest with you, we pulled over at a gas station and I started pulling out every cushion in the vehicle. I was sliding the seats back. We were, look, we, we were gathering pennies from under the seats everywhere we could, trying to see if I could buy, get some money together. And I could not come up with enough money to buy a 99 cent burger off the dollar menu. As a husband, I felt like a complete and utter failure. The pastor had said we were coming in. They had a place for us to stay at the church. There was a room we were going to stay at. He said, we will, uh, we'll try to get together tonight for supper. And that was still later on in the evening. And I'm just thinking, what are we going to do? And so I told Sandra, I said, let's pray. That's all I knew to do. And I knew God could. I just didn't think God saw me where I was at. So we started praying. And in the middle of our prayer, my phone rang. And I don't normally look at my phone when we're praying, but I felt like I needed to. And I pulled my phone out in the middle of prayer and looked at it. And it was the pastor. I said, Sandra, hold on a minute. I'm going to take this phone call. I called the pastor. He said, listen. He said, I know we're going to meet you for supper tonight. He said, but I got free early. He said, could you meet us here in just a few minutes for lunch? I said, yes, sir, we sure can. He said, he said I don't know what y'all like. He said, but our, one of our favorite places is right up from the church. He said, it's this Mexican restaurant. Do you like Mexican? I didn't tell him that was my wife's. And to this day, that's her favorite food. She loves Mexican food. I said, yes, sir, we sure do. Went there, 
They got, we got lunch. Pastor paid for it. Thank the Lord. If not, we'd have been in trouble. <laughs> that night, we preached the next day. When the church left, little small church, they took up an offering for us, gave it to us. And we went home with enough money to pay for our gas, pay for our food, get home and pay some bills that we desperately needed to pay. God just met our needs. And time and time again, over the next years, we saw God meet our needs. Prayer and what I learned, prayer, faith in prayer, is not saying, I believe God can do that. Faith is saying, I believe God's going to do it in my life. I believe he will. I believe God actually cares about me, and I believe God's going to intervene in my life. Valuable lessons I had to learn over and over again. I'll be honest with you, I wish I could tell you tonight that I've got it all figured out. But God's still teaching me to pray by faith all these years later after I've seen him do it time and time again. But we should allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and teach us how to pray. That we can say, Lord, I believe that you just didn't do it yesterday, but you're going to do it for me. Lord, you just didn't build North Etowah up in the 70s and 80s, and, but God, I believe you're going to do it in my life. I believe you're going to do it today. God, I know that you can. Lord, I know that you did it. But God, I believe you're going to do it now. In my faith, say, Lord, according to your will, Lord, we're going to ask you for great things. Your will be done. And so that is power in prayer. Have a time where we specifically say, Lord, I'm going to seek your face. Have a place where you can get away from distractions and say, I'm going to focus on just me and God. This is my place for my walk with him. Incorporate the word of God into your prayer life. Say, Lord, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to stop and listen too. Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to me and allow the Holy Spirit through our prayer life to teach us who we're praying to, who our power is relying upon, but then say, Lord, I believe that you can, but I also believe that you will. God, I trust that you care for me. That's our prayer. That's some secrets to having power in prayer. And I believe with all my heart that these are things that are desperately um, need in our life to be effective in our prayers.